Jesus spoke to them saying, I will be the light of your life. What'll that mean? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Think for a minute about all that light does. It helps us walk safely, guides us to destinations, drives fear away, and illuminates truth. So it's no coincidence that Jesus used light in one of his most important I am statements. Here's David in his message called The Light of the World. Hi, everyone. Before I bring you the word of the Lord that he has laid on my heart today as we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, just a few announcements. First of all, we have started our first Sunday worship service this Sunday at Providence Day School, 10 a.m., and we hope you'll be able to come join us live in person for worship services there through the summer for a year we know of, or that's how long we've signed that contract. Who knows? God might even have us there to help witness to Providence Day School and to be the Lord's love there to those people as well. We're grateful to have an in-person, inside gathering place. Please note that through July and August, particularly, we're not going to have worship at the farm. We will have some Moments of Hope Church family events there where we can come together and have a meal together, have fun together, kids' games together, Uh, but that won't happen in a worship service until September. Uh, Please note that. We're going to navigate the very hot months of July and August, we hope, in a very good way. Um, Also, at Providence Day, please note we're going to emphasize over and over again, they really are very careful about their floor, and all of you who go there need to wear soft sole shoes. I've got my new kicks on here, just got these white shoes that I think emphasize for all of us our need to have those soft-soled shoes on that beautiful floor that we're going to be allowed to worship on. So please note that as well. That's probably the most important announcement regarding that. And we're so excited to at least have an indoor, in-person place for the next year. The cloud has moved. We're there. And we're looking forward to a relationship with the people there to witness to them about the light of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Also, the kids' camp still have some openings. If you'd like to register your kids for either of those two camps, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org and you can see how to register there. Also and finally, the men will meet at Carmel Presbyterian Church tonight, 5 o'clock to 629, a continued study of 2 Timothy. We hope you men will join John and his teachings so that you can continue to know God's word. It's so important today to not just be a Christian, but to be a biblical Christian. And the only way you can truly follow Jesus is to know his word and to know how he wants you to live. Uh, Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this privilege that you have given me to proclaim your word to however many you call to watch and listen. I pray you'd use me now to teach your truth about you, Jesus, being the light of the world. You said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. The second extraordinary I am statement in your word about your deity. And Lord Jesus, we have a choice whether to believe that or not. If you aren't God, we should remove you from our thought life forever. But if you are God, you deserve the total lordship over all our lives. So I pray that you would use me to unfold these truths about you being the light of the world for your glory, Lord Jesus. And it's in your perfect name that I pray this. Amen. Uh, Some years ago, The only time Marilyn and I ever considered a call to another church to leave Charlotte and go there 
was to a church in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, we actually went up there twice to see if that is where God wanted us. It was a rather large church. They had a big vision. They thought God was calling me to be the new pastor of their church. Well, we went up there once and were intrigued with the possibilities for doing Jesus' work there, and we actually went up an even second time to talk with the folks to see again if that was God's will. Uh, during that second visit, one of the members of the search committee took us aside and said something like this. Uh, we want to be very honest with you. We want you to know that if you're moving from Charlotte, North Carolina to Detroit, Michigan, we have a different kind of weather, weather pattern here than you have in Charlotte. They said here around the end of September, early October, there's a chill that starts to set in and everybody just sighs a big sigh of, oh no. And then suddenly things get really gray for the next four or five months, even into March, sometimes April. And during that time period, we just need to tell you that you will need to take a vacation to the South. You'll need to go South somewhere, maybe back to North Carolina, South Carolina, maybe to Florida, because you're going to need to see and experience sunshine. Your body will need light. Because if you live here in this gray kind of cloudiness for month after month after month, eventually depression starts to set in, your body can become unhealthy, and you've just got to see and experience light. We just want to be honest with you. That's the way it is up here. We've all understood it. We need probably a one, more likely a two-week vacation during those months simply to see light. Now, of course, obviously, Marilyn and I didn't accept that call, and it really didn't have anything to do with the weather patterns, the grayness, and the need to see light during those late fall and winter and early spring months. It had much more to do with the sense of call. We felt God calling us to Charlotte, North Carolina. This is our home. We've been here over 40 years now, and my call is to the local church. I feel that God has called me to be a pastor in a local church, and I'm still trying to honor that call to this day. So Charlotte is our home. But we'll never forget that experience there because it taught us a very important lesson. What is that? The importance of light. What does light do? Well, well, several things. First of all, it really does bring health to your life. You know, first of all, to your physical body. You know, during the COVID crisis, a good number of doctors, a doctor friend of mine actually called me and said, David, make sure that you take a lot of vitamin D tablets, and if you can get outside and get actual sun, it should help you in warding off the coronavirus. I did that regularly. If that helped me, I don't know, but I did that because he said vitamin D is a great help in fighting the coronavirus. So vitamin D and light helps your physical body become stronger. It helps your emotional state because if you're inside, if you're experiencing darkness all the time, repeatedly, it will drive you to depression. Uh, so you need to have light in order to give you truth and to give you a sense of hope in your life. Uh, thirdly, though, you need light in order to guide you to a destination. Uh, those of you who have to get up in the night in order to go to the bathroom, uh, you know the dangers of walking in the dark, and you need light to help you get to your destination. Similarly, if you're going to a city and you're traveling at night, you need your bright lights on your car to get you there. You need lights on the highway or 
in the streets in order to help you get to your destination. Light is essential for getting you to your correct destination. So for physical health purposes, for emotional health purposes, and for interestingly, just to get you to your destination, you need light. And then one other thought comes to mind, and that is you have light whenever you get an idea about truth. Whenever you look at a cartoon, for example, and somebody gets an idea, what comes out of their head? It is a pointed place on the top of their head, a circle, and a light bulb because light illuminates a new insight. Light gives you truth. So light is essential for us in order to live rightly in this life. Now, in Jesus' day, uh, he was experiencing with Jews from all over the country and in indeed outside of Israel, what was called the Feast of the Booths. And in John the seventh chapter, we saw how the Feast of the Booths was a week-long feast in Jerusalem, a huge, light-filled, joyous, singing celebration of God's faithfulness to the Israelites when they were going from the Egyptian captivity to the Promised Land. Now, if you just took a walking straight trail from Egypt to the promised land, to Israel as we know it today, it would be about an 11-day walking journey. But because of their unbelief, it turned into a 40-year camping experience. And during those 40 years, because of their unbelief, they didn't believe God would give them the promised land and be able to overcome the giants and the walled cities. During those 40 years, God guided them as his light. He gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night. Interestingly, all the cloud was was God's light during the day, and then when the night came, it was the same place, the same source from where the light arrived to the people. So the cloud simply turned into a fire at nighttime. So the cloud was what guided the people, and it was a light. By day, again, a cloud. By night, a fire. So They celebrated during this week-long time period the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of the Booths, celebrating God's light that led them through the wilderness. And and we saw a couple of weeks ago, on the seventh day, uh, the high priest would take a big bowl of water from the Pool of Siloam, and he'd walk up 15 steps celebrating Psalm 118, 15, and he'd start to pour the water out, and then after it was poured out, symbolizing God giving water to the people of Israel as they journeyed in this wilderness, this dry land, when he poured that water out, there'd be a pause, and then the people were supposed to break into a song of Psalm 118.15, which basically is, with shouts of joy, we celebrate God's triumph and victory as we had to live in these tents for 40 years. But right before the people were supposed to sing, Jesus arose and said, out of your innermost beings, if you'll drink of me. I will pour out rivers, plural, of living water. Remember that sermon? That's what I did two weeks ago. And you can only imagine how that increased the debate, which began in John 5, between Jesus and the religious leaders regarding his identity. He was making it clear in all of his teachings that he was God. He said that he was one with the Father, that he had come to judge the world, he'd come to forgive sins, and there was a huge debate between him and the religious leaders regarding who he was. And after he made this statement, it says a division occurred among the people Some people thought he was the prophet promised in Deuteronomy 18. Some thought he was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the long-awaited one who would come and deliver them, and others rejected him, and they continued their plot to try to kill him. 
Then he went into the Mount of Olives, spent the night, came back the next day. They have the story of the woman who committed adultery thrown into his presence. That was my message last week. And now we move into today's message. Now, this is the eighth day of the Feast of the Booths. And if you read Leviticus 23 very closely, you'll see at the end of the Feast of the Booths, there was supposed to be another day, an eighth day, where people were given the day off. They could completely relax. They could just finish their celebration. Now, they were up all night long from day seven, celebrating joyously God's faithfulness during their 40 years, him being the light that guided them. And actually, in Jerusalem, During that last part of the Feast of Booths, they built candelabras that went up 30 feet in the sky, menorahs that were lit, and you could see them from 60 miles away. Josephus talks about it in his writings as a Jewish historian some years later. It was a magnificent sight to see. If you could just imagine Charlotte at night just lit up in every possible way, these huge 30 feet high candelabras all over the city that lit up the city so that people could celebrate and have joy like never before. Singing, dancing, it was the last hours of the Feast of the Booths. Then on the eighth day, they were given a day off, a day of rest to recover from the week-long celebration, particularly the end of day seven. Now, in the early morning hours, as The dawn came upon that time in Jerusalem. They would then snuff out all the candles in the candelabra. And right when they had snuffed out all the candelabras and the light went out and dawn became upon the city, this is where we pick up today's text. Right at that moment, as again, all of those candles were snuffed out, the light of the sun came upon the city. Here's what happened in John, the eighth chapter Verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The second I am statement. The previous one, I am the bread of life. He was basically saying that the manna that God provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness, Jesus is the one who provided that. He is the bread of life. He is the one that gives life. And if you eat of him, you'll never hunger again. Now he says, I am the light of the world. This is in reference again to Exodus 3 when Moses asked God as he was going to confront Pharaoh, whom should I say is sending me? And God answered, I am who I am. The term I am was unutterable by faithful Jews. And here is Jesus for the second time. There are seven altogether in the Gospel of John. For the second time, he says, I am claiming deity, claiming to be God, going back to Exodus 3 and God's words to Moses. But here, I am not the bread of life. I am the light of the world. As the sun is dawning on Jerusalem, Jesus says, I am that light. I am the one that should be guiding you now. And that's what he means in the second part of this when he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever chooses to follow my light. When Jesus calls you to be his disciples, he's calling you to follow him. Uh, interestingly, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
Dear friends, I'm not a perfect man nor a perfect pastor by any means. I have my flaws. But I try to say every week as I preach the word of God to you, follow me as I follow Jesus. I am trying to follow Jesus as faithfully as I know how. When he calls you to come after him, he's calling you to follow him, to live the way that he lived, to think the way that he thought, to act the way that he acted. That's what he's calling you to do as Him being the teacher, he's calling you to follow him. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, if you'll follow him as the light of the world, the one who gives this world true light amidst all of its darkness, I will be the light of your life. What will that mean? I'll be a light inside of you that will help give you physical health. I'll give you the kind of physical health you need to keep moving forward. I'll give you emotional health. I will solve the depression of your soul. As you live in darkness, in that deep, despair. I will come and give you my light, which will lift you out of that depression to a new hope like you've never had it before. And I will be that one who guides your path as you walk in life to your eternal destination. I came to take you home. You're lost in your sins and trespasses, but I came to forgive you of your sins and bring you home. And I am that light that will illuminate your mind and bring truth to you. If you follow me, you will find I am the light of life. In my light, I'll give you life. So the debate continues now with the religious leaders. Uh, So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So they're going back to the book of Deuteronomy that says that if anyone bears witness about something concerning themselves, there has to be two or three witnesses that validate that. So they're basically saying, you're making these claims about yourself being the living water. If people drink from you, they'll never thirst again, that you are the bread of life. If they eat of you, they'll never hunger again. Now you're saying you are the light of the world. And if they follow you, that light will lead them to true life. I mean, who do you think you are? You have one witness yourself, and you're only bearing witness to yourself. In order for that witness to be true, you need two to three witnesses. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about this morning's e-devotion. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. 
With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us. It's great being with you as well, Jen. Well, David, this week you have been sharing quite openly about the recent loss of your brother Howard and how you're grieving well, which includes sharing powerful truths and encouragement from him. And what would you like to share with our listeners today? Well, I hope our listeners aren't minding me being uh, very open and honest about my grief right now with Howard and going through a process that I'm sharing with them that may help them as they're walking through their own grief and processes. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'd like to share today is something Howard said to me uh, in one of our last phone calls together. Uh, Again, he would call me regularly just to encourage me or talk or whatever. And in one of our last conversations, he said almost out of the blue, I just can't wait to see Jesus. Wow. I can't wait to see Jesus. And with his excitement in his voice that was uniquely Howard, I can't wait to see Jesus. And I didn't think much about it, except I think all Christians should feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know that within a couple of weeks later, he would contract COVID. And because of his pre-existing conditions, especially with diabetes, it was only a week that he would live after contracting the disease. Mm. And he suddenly went to be with Jesus with kidney failure, etc. So... I'm just missing him a whole lot, but one of the ways I'm grieving is by remembering some of those conversations I most recently had with him, and this one may be at the forefront. I just can't wait to see Jesus. You you know, we say that, but do we really mean that? And I think he really, really meant it. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, we look through a mirror dimly right now, but soon we will see face to face. And at 4.18, uh, Friday a week ago, he died at 4.17 p.m., Howard saw the face of Jesus. And as Paul describes it in his writings, that it's like we go to sleep and then we wake up and the first face we see is Jesus. That death should not be feared. It literally is like sleeping. And you wake up and you're in the presence of the Lord and then also the angels, also your loved ones who've gone on before you. What a glorious place that Mm. must be. (laughs) And and the first face you see when you wake up is Jesus' face. Mm So I'd like just to ask all of our listeners right Now, do you share that excitement of seeing the face of Jesus? Um, If so, you truly understand that death has lost its sting. Mm. It has no victory over you whatsoever, and you don't fear it at all. Mm. Um, And I want to make sure that every listener knows that you're either forgiven or you're unforgiven. Those are the only two kinds of people in the world. You're either forgiven or you're unforgiven. I plead with all of our listeners to make sure that you've gone to Jesus and got his forgiveness, you know that your eternity is secure because Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way you come to the Father is by my grace on the cross, and I pray that people will realize that today, cling to that cross, know their sins are forgiven, but also then have the excitement of seeing Jesus face to face. My brother Howard had that excitement. A little over a week ago, he saw Jesus face to face, and I hope all of us listening right now have that same excitement. I love this so much, and there are times when my faith feels especially strong. It's like, oh, I'm a little bit jealous of this one that has seen Jesus face to face. This is such a beautiful truth and reminder for us. Well, you know, Jen, if he could come back right now, he wouldn't. 
Oh. As much as he loves Ramona and me and the other members of our family, if he could come back, he wouldn't. What he would say yeah. is, can't wait to see you guys. Come on over to the other side. I'm with Jesus in perfection. I'm not going back into that mess for one second. He's in glory. Praise God. I love it. Thank you so much, David. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for letting me reminisce about my brother Howard and process my grief with you. If you'd like to receive my daily Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can get them every day. Subscribe to them free of charge for the purpose of giving your heart daily a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, hoping you have a great weekend.